Hello, and welcome to the Path of Most Persistence. This is a place where we hear and share tenacious stories of overcoming obstacles with our partners who dare to share a bit of their own personal paths. Howdy, and welcome to the Path of Most Persistence podcast with the Nuclear Power Institute. Uh, today, we've got Ms. Shayla Rivera, uh, who is the Director of Engineering X at Texas A&M University, as well as a professor of practice. Uh, among uh, several other things uh, that uh, I'm sure we'll hear about today during our interview. So Ms. Rivera, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I don't know if there's anything you wanna add about your background or what you do at Texas A&M, um, but I'll leave it up to you if you wanna share some more. Sure. I'll say howdy and I'll say that, uh, yeah, one of the things I can tell you right now is that I didn't expect to find myself here at Texas A&M. This was one of those fabulous twists of life, you know, when you are willing to go ahead and take risks. But what I do here in the College of Engineering as a professor of practice and director of Engineering X, what is Engineering X? It's actually a commitment by the College of Engineering to make our students better professionals in the sense that we ask them to participate in high impact activities, not just go to class, right? They, we want them to get out there and, you know, you really learn by actually doing, you really learn by connecting with people. You really learn, you know, you can't just learn stuff. You have to grow and become, you know, the professional that you're gonna become. And the only way to do that is through experience. So that's what we're doing with Engineering X. And I'm the perfect person for that. You certainly have the personality for it. <laughs> uh, but thank you again for joining us today. And uh, I, think I'm, I think I can speak for all of us here on the call today that we're all really excited to hear your story. Uh, so what we focus on uh, mostly, and it's not strictly solely for persistence or perseverance, that those are the topics that we kind of uh, strategically cover with our podcast. Uh, I was wondering if you had any insights on what what do you perceive as persistence or perseverance uh, in your experience? Well, in my experience, I will tell you personally, it's been, I call myself a, I, I didn't know that it, I was being persistent. I always thought that I was more like a rebel when I was a kid, you know, because um, uh, I would rebel against being told that I couldn't do something or that, you know, whenever I felt that somebody was unjustly saying something that I didn't do or do whatever, I was kind of always paying attention to um, myself and how I felt and what I wanted to feel as a child. I just, I really wanted to just feel comfortable in my own skin. I mean, I don't know about you all. You probably are all, you know, really strong people, but I wasn't growing up and, you know, I was, uh, you know, you're always feeling like you're not good enough, that you fall short and stuff like that. And I think if anything has made me a resolute person in the, in the subject of being persistent is that I did not want to feel that way. I couldn't understand why I felt that way, number one. Um, you know, I just didn't think it was true that I was, you know, lazy or not smart enough or anything like that. Uh, but I certainly felt like an imposter most of the time and just I think my rebel didn't want to feel that and so my rebel just kept on taking risks the 
the issue became not feeling, uh, I mean, I would take the risks and I would achieve the things that I would achieve, but I never felt like I deserved anything. Uh, so it's, you know, my life has been a, uh, probably a journey of having that persistence and that resilience and that perseverance uh, thing meet with uh, a level of being, uh, to, to being have peaceful, to have peace, to say, you know what, I am that. I am okay. I'm not a bad person. I can't take this risk and I deserve to take the, you know, uh, whatever is given to me. Um, it's just at that cross, that point that you have to get to, to just be uh, at peace. Again, that's the word. It's all about peace. You know, what you say uh, resonates with me already so much, especially uh, using the term rebel. Um, you know, as, as you spoke, um, I, I, I wonder, was there a particular instance where you decided you were going to make that switch? Or was it a series of evolutions, just, just gradual uh, changes, you know, evolving slowly? Or was it just a day, an experience that you had that you decided, you know what, I'm going to do something about it, or, or I'm going to be very intentional? You know, uh, this is a great question, uh, Valerie. It's, it, I cannot tell you that there was one uh, moment, but I can't tell you that there was a bunch of moments. And the one thing that I did become pretty good at is paying attention to those moments. There was one moment um, when I had just gotten to Texas A&M, and I talk about this when I speak, when I didn't speak English, I had to come here and, you know, from Puerto Rico, at learn English in Texas, not easy because you don't talk English here. So it was hard, but I was scared. I was, I just graduated high school and it wasn't about the language so much. I was afraid. I had left everything I knew and I was going into a brand new place, brand new life, brand new everything. So I was afraid, but I was also angry you know i was like it's not right whatever my mother just said i don't care right so she gave me a couple of weeks to get over it thank god and so i started watching tv and i remember that i was watching a show the gong show back in 1979 uh travis there's no way you know this none of you uh, you know it was a okay so you do the show back in the day was really funny and i'm watching it because it was visually interesting you know the language wasn't working but what we're seeing was really interesting so i see the guy introduce the next ad out comes a woman that was really big uh wearing a bikini i like to say a thong bikini uh maybe it wasn't a thong but it became a thong when she came out but she comes out and she plays at this piece she sits at a piano and plays it like i've never heard anybody i mean she was a master and that's one of those moments where i said that's it and I'm not going to live afraid of a language. I, that was a real important moment for me because I have used that many times in my life. That's, I don't want to live afraid of this particular thing that I'm afraid of. So I just went into my room. I started reading out loud. And then five months later, I find myself at AM. I'm having a conversation with a professor. And in the middle of that conversation, I wake up. You know how it is. You kind of get to the place when you're there. And uh, I had this thought, wow, I'm actually carrying on a conversation in English. This is really cool. And then I realized that I said, wow, if I can do this, I can do anything. Because, you know, I had just mastered a language, according to me. In a way, I, I had. 
And then I had the other thought that I always say was a whisper, really, which is why I've done everything I've done, which is the whisper was, remember, if you can do anything, then anybody can do anything. And that is one of those moments when I knew that that was true. And I know that that's true because if anybody's ever done anything, anybody else can do that very same thing, but they really have to want to do it. And they really have to, it's got to be some kind of really, you know, they have to be propelled to do it, but there's nothing else that holds us back. Well, as much as we do, we hold ourselves back. So yes, it's been a series of moments after that. Uh, and, you know, every moment brings you something new. And uh, I think that we, the best thing we can do is sit down and share with each other what these moments are, you know, because most of the time we're going to find that other people have these moments as well. And you probably remind them of them or, you know, and you go, you know what, I, I remember that. And that's what we have to do, find the evidence of that in our lives and, you know, to be to be successful. We are resilient. We're already, per you look, we're persistent. We're resilient. If we're here right now, you know, we're still here. We have survived everything up to now. And if we have, you know, what else can come? Look at us. We're in COVID. We're in a pandemic. We're, you know, and when this is, when, when, when the pandemic happened, you know, it's just like everybody would say, oh my God, I've never gone through anything like this. What am I going to do? And I would say, well, none of us have gone through anything like this, first of all. So we're all going to figure this out together. Um, so, yes, ma'am. Okay, so, you know, you, you uh, said that you're from Puerto Rico. So when you yes. first moved to Texas, it's not the same as Mexican Spanish. No. It's oh, different. my God, no. <laughs> and so I'm a little curious about, you know, when you grew up, you know, coming from Puerto Rico, you know, when you're a minority as it is. So any sort of microaggressions that you had to, you know, face and how did you overcome those? That's another great question. So, all right. So I always say about this and I really, this is one of those things about awareness. You know, I, when I grew up in Puerto Rico, while I was over there, I was fully aware that I was Puerto Rican. That was it. Then when I moved to Houston, um, I found out that I was a minority and actually found out I was Mexican because that's what they thought I was. <laughs> um, so what I'm saying here is that I did not, I wasn't uh, so aware of the whole idea of, you know, you are this and you are that and you're a female and you're a male and all of that. I had, I had grown up knowing that um, I was just part of this family and part of this culture and, and probably my parents had a lot to do with that. I don't know. Uh, I knew I was going to go to college. I knew I was going to go into engineering. I didn't think that it was only for men. I never really had that until I learned about it. So, so yeah, you know, for, so for a long time, um, I wouldn't find any because I'm not really looking for it. Um, but then, you know, then I have to say that there are some, absolutely, there is some microaggressions. There are some kind of people that maybe knowingly or unknowingly will, you know, say something or act toward you in a way that you go, what? Um, but uh, yeah, I did not, I, I can't say that, you know, when I came to a and I was different. 
I didn't look like everybody else, but I was so into my own little pity party that I, you know, microaggressions was the least of my problems. <laughs> I needed to get through aerospace. <laughs> so I, you know, and, and the one thing, uh, Diana, that I have found in life is that I just don't see it. I don't see the differences. Um, I don't see it. What well, we have in science and in spirit, we really are uh, all the same thing. We're human beings. I mean, so yes, we are male, female, we're black, white, Latino, you know, whatever we want to be. We're, you know, the bottom line is we're all human beings. We're that quantum observer that's affecting our lives. And you know what? When I really got into that, that that really gave me a lot of peace and it's always it's also brought a lot of good things to me because i started just expecting only good things now there are some buttheads out there yes i used the b word um but you know uh i'll i won't carry them too long um you know that's just that doesn't mean that other people don't have a real issue and problem with this i'm just saying that um yeah, there's a whole lot that you can do toward that. Don't be what you don't want to see, you know, act differently. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so whenever you initially learned how to speak English and you, you said you finally were able to have conversations with professors and you were able to have the, you know, these interactions, did you seek out mentorship and guidance during your time at A&M and uh, how big of a part did that play in, in your career? Wow. So this is so good for anybody out there uh, that has this question. Uh, I did not, Travis, I did not because I was too self-conscious. Uh, I was uh, so convinced that nobody would want to help me. I was so convinced that I didn't belong, that I was an imposter and all that stuff, that I, that's where the rebel carried me through. The rebel said, um, you know, when I signed up for aerospace, I called my aunt, my favorite aunt in Puerto Rico, and I said, hey, guess what? I'm going to be an aerospace engineer. And she said, I give you four months. Now, that's, you know, in that moment, though, the rebel said, oh, yeah. So, you know, that actually propelled me a little bit. But the thing is that I didn't really understand the concept of mentorship. I don't, you know, I had my parents. I had my family that if I had any issues, I would go talk to them or everything. Um, there's great advantage of seeking somebody now that you can just sit down and have a conversation about these things. I never did that. Uh, the way that I muddled through was um, books, lots of books, reading things that, that helped me understand uh, me and understand that there are other ways of approaching issues in life and stuff that gives you, you know, a better uh, outcome. And the outcome, again, is always just a peaceful outcome. You know, I can do this. I'm okay. You know, being, reassuring myself, all of those things, they really do work. Uh, and, and then taking risks. 
but no, I, I, I am not ashamed to say it, but I just did not. I mean, I can't never. Now I'm like, I need to talk to Deepak Chopra or something like that. But it's important to get, find people that have like mind, that are like minded, you know, um, especially when you're seeking something that's, that's a little deeper than just leadership or, you know, straight up, uh, yeah, you know, success uh, and stuff like that. You want to go a little deeper than that. You have to find people that are interested in that as well, I would say. Shayla, thank you. That is, that is so helpful. That is so good. Um, I'm very curious. Of all your accomplishments, personal and professional, which are those, or which one, or however many you want to talk about, are you most proud and why? Wow. What am I most proud of? <sighs> I am most proud of having the children that I have. That's it. I have, um, you know, I... I, part of the story that I tell is that I, you know, a couple of years ago, I came back from a, a gig and I came upstairs to find the body of my son in the very spot that I'm sitting right now. And uh, I'd lost him. Now, that moment, um, talk about having to be present, right? Talk about um, just a moment of where you cannot change it. You cannot do anything about it. If anything seared something for me, that moment was a surrender to what was. And of course, your heart rips. You don't know what you're going to do. Um, but I was able to, I mean, I'm sitting here, right? I'm sitting here still. I did not think I would survive it. Uh, I keep discovering more and more every day after I lost my son. Uh, I know I lost my son to the callousness of, of too many people. Uh, you know, we don't mind our words. We don't, words is the power that we all have. I always talk about that. Words are the power that we don't use on purpose. You can elevate or you can destroy with words. You can, you know, build or, and we don't use words. So, um, I would have done anything for my son, uh, anything. He, him and I were good buddies, you know? We were so much fun together. But the thing is, you know, after a year, I remember that, uh, that I just kind of realized that this taught me that I can't, you know, I'd love to help people. I love to, this is what I do, right? I mean, it's, I'm a speaker, I'm a, I like to elevate people and I could not help my son. So there's nobody else I would have helped more than my son. So that shows me that there's nothing that anyone can do for you, that you have to do the work yourself, that you have to go out there and, and seek a mentor and seek help and seek a book and seek these things um, yourself. And then further, moreover, I, you know, I, every day I discover that I know my son in a way that I wouldn't have known him if he was still with me. Every day I realize 
the other day we were doing a conference and somebody displayed, they, they sing and they have a band and the song was amazing and it was a good song. And I'm like, oh, Michael would have loved this song and everything. And then I thought, wow, I never really would have gotten to know you this the way I know you, uh, I would have thought about you the way I think about you now. Uh, so there's always some kind of, uh, I don't know, redemption in these things. Um, and all we can do is just keep on keeping on. You know, we have to keep on. We have to be resilient. We have to, uh, we just have to continue because I know that that's, that that's what he would have wanted. And, uh, and if I can help anybody else, and it seems to me that he keeps sending me more and more people. And uh, that's another subject for another day. But I know that sharing this with, uh, whenever I share it, I always find somebody that says, you know, thank you for sharing that. Because I know that this pain is not just mine. I don't think I'm the only one that suffered these kinds of, you know, losses and pain and, uh, I have encountered so many people that say, you know, when you shared that and then they come and tell me, you know, I lost both my sons in an accident or I lost this, that, and the other thing. And we have a moment where we share, you know, and that's a moment where they come back and we get to feel them. And I love that, you know, until I can see them again, I'll have to do that. So when I die, don't be sad. I'll be, I'll be having a fun time in heaven, but yeah, I mean, you know what it is? It's just we need to connect with. So these are the moments that, that just really define a life much more than a graduation, much more than, you know, I'm the CEO of whatever or no. It's about how do you affect other people? You have to be mindful about that. Well, and Shayla, since I... I prompted the question. I, I just want to say to you that uh, all my love and respect of one mother to another. Um, and I hope that uh, you feel, I, I know you said other people have encountered similar losses, but yours is your own and yours is unique. And I don't, it should never be diminished. And I hope speaking Michael's name is another way to honor him and you because I know the importance of speaking the names of those that have uh, we love and that have gone on uh, is very important. So um, thank you for sharing uh, and speaking to Michael because I know he's with us and I have goosebumps. So I think he's here with he us. Is. And, and just as a, as, a professional, as a professional woman uh, who believes her magnum opus is her own children as well, there's a quote that I, I have from Rose Kid Kennedy, and I keep it uh, hanging with all my diplomas, you know, and it's, she said something like, um, I looked on child rearing, not only as a work of love and duty, but as a profession that was as fully interesting and challenging as any honorable profession in the world and one that demanded the best I could bring to it. And I think that um, mothers uh, understand certainly those that love our mothers and respect our mothers, but especially mothers that um, remain when their children leave us. I think mm -hmm. you all have a special place and I honor you for that. And thank you for sharing Michael's name. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. He, uh, one of the things I learned about him as soon as he passed away was that he would never, and his friends, my son never introduced himself at Michael. 
he always said, Michael Jonathan Murphy, nice to meet you. Always, Michael Jonathan Murphy. And they made fun of that. And Michael, jo and I remember that when I was about to give birth to him, I was, uh, I was convinced I was having a girl. Alexandra Patricia Murphy, that's my daughter's name. I knew it was a girl, I knew. And I was about to go to the hospital and I had this thought, oh my God, what if it's a boy? on the way to the hospital. And then I heard Michael Jonathan Murphy. So I think he introduced himself to me before, before he came here. So he was a very special soul. And, uh, you know, I have no regrets uh, about the life of my son. And he shared and he impacted. His thing was leave people feeling better than you find them. That was his thing. So, I mean, I think I did pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, that's really powerful. Um, I, I'm not going to pretend I, I, I know exactly what you're, you're going through, but as a, a new father myself, uh, I can't imagine um, the emotions uh, that you're going, that you have gone through. But um, with that in mind, is there any advice that you might give students that might be facing um, challenges or obstacles uh, or thoughts on, on like you, a, a really amazing thing that you said that I'm going to put in my pocket now uh, about how words can build or destroy, uh, you know, as they're going through these challenges? Absolutely. You know, um, that's a great question for, you know, people to, to contemplate. I don't think we do enough of that. I think we don't sit down and do enough contemplation or enough uh, breathing. We don't, you know, there, we need to do that more often and every day. You know, there's, we are we do have the same power to affect one another using our words, using our face or, you know, there's no two, two, there's no time when two people connect or cross paths that something is an exchange. You know, you can walk by somebody and just look at them or you can walk by them and smile. There is communication right there. What, are, what effect are you having on another person? You know, we talk about at the, at there's a level where we're all one and, uh, and that we become entangled, but we're not going to become entangled until we share our stories. So I think that one of the things, if you're feeling bad and everything, I mean, uh, at the bottom of all suicides, at the bottom of all things like this is a story not shared. It's something that you could have, that, that needed to come out, that needed to, but not to just anybody. You can only, you, all, you not only need to be vulnerable and open up, but then if somebody's giving you the privilege and the honor of sharing with you something like that, listen, don't tell them what to do because you don't know you don't have to all you have to do is hug them listen and say i'm here i don't know what to do right now but i want to sit here with you and why don't we just go get a burger or whatever you know we don't do that enough you know when my when i lost my son 
my family came in and you know I, I cannot tell you how many bumper sticker grieving you know things of so well you know time will heal all wounds and then this and don't do that people don't need that they just need just hug me just sit next to me just you know and sometimes that's all we need so students you know when you're when you're feeling like that and believe me you're not alone that's the problem is you think you're alone but you're not alone uh open up let yourself be vulnerable vulnerable doesn't mean weak at all Vulnerable means you are strong, that you have big cojones. Look it up. It's you got you got tremendous backbone to to say, I need, I'm feeling lonely. I'm feeling bad right now. I really don't think I can handle this. You know, and even sometimes journal. Journal it if you don't want to talk to somebody. Just write it down. That I've done all my life. You know, just write it down. Share it. But remember, if you're on the other side of a, you know, a shared experience, listen. Mm -hmm. And just let them say and, and just be there. And, you know, sometimes people just have to say something and they feel better. We just so we think that we have to help them. Well, this is what you have to do. You know, what you got to do is, yeah, no. Now, if you know anybody like that, you know that you don't go to those people for help. You don't share anything with people like that. So, yeah, share and then listen. Do that. And then the world will be a great place if we all did that. Thank you so much. Uh, I think we're running at about the end of, of our interview. Uh, but I wanted to thank you so much again for your message and your, your amazing words. Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Segovia. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't. Travis, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so let me just say to you, uh, Ms. Rivera, that you left us in such a better place. Oh. Just having this small chat with you today, I wish we had all day, all week, uh, all year to, but now that we have our hooks in you, we're not going to let you go. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> so you're I leaving do. us better off than you found us. Know that, feel that. Um, but I do have a question for you as, as we part. Yes. Of all the songs out there. Okay. So, if you had to request a song or select a song to play as you enter a room, what would it be? Wow. Wow. Well, let's see. The Puerto Rican part of me has a couple of grand combos <laughs> in my head, but you wouldn't know what that is. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> there is a song um, that, uh, that, well, you know, I love Revolution. My son loved that band and uh, Celebration. It was one of his favorite songs. And it's just such a good song. It's, uh, it's such a good song. So I would play that, definitely. And then yeah. some salsa music, but you know, I'd have to bring it myself because you probably don't have any. <laughs> hey, you don't know about me. That's true, I don't know. <laughs> I was just at a wedding last weekend. I was a little salsa myself, ma'am. So. I love it. I love it. 
<laughs> I thank you. Thank you for this time. I mean, you know, I know you say that I left you better, but this leaves me better. I just, and so it's, see, it's a, it's a both ways. There you go. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much again.